0: And afterwards, this guy, my boss came up to me and says, you don't speak very much. And of course, I do the typical thing as anyone probably would react to, no, 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 I'm just, it's my first few days. I'm just getting together. He's like, no, that was a compliment. That's a good thing. And that small interaction really has changed my whole mindset on it. And I wanted to share it because it made me realize that I think business is changing And I think that if you're able to show up in a way that's true to you and you're not trying to be or emulate someone else, people can pick up on that. And so my observant side was actually noticed and complimented when really I I was thinking in my head the whole meeting, I should be saying more, Mm. why am I not contributing? And then he just followed up and said, most people talk all the time for the sake of talking and Mm. you didn't do that. And I think that's good.
1: That was Bianca Bass, who is a marketing and brand consultant and a writer. Bianca, in her own words, helps companies and individuals communicate with more emotion and that ultimately leads to more sales and conversion. So our conversation, um, as you may gather from kind of that introduction, is quite business focused. Um, So there's a lot of practical tips for, I guess, both um, people working within businesses and companies, um, but also people who are self-employed or thinking about becoming self-employed, entrepreneurs. lot of practical tips and advice um but our conversation really spans a whole lot we start off with talking about autumn you know with my question for this season asking people about their favorite things about autumn and that gets us on to talking about intentions living intentionally um asking the question what's serving me or perhaps more importantly what is no longer serving me and how autumn might be a good time um to assess what we need to let go of um we talk about introversion and, and actually bianca um explains introversion quite well because I think often we think about introverts as um really not liking people at all and the way Bianca talks about it and how it shows up for her um in her work and and um socially uh, is really good it's a really um good summary of, of what being an introvert actually is like because it's not that introverts just hate all people or social interactions so there's that um Bianca shares her journey her kind of um, employment journey, sort of from from working, from wanting to be a journalist, all the way through to working in marketing, all the way through to getting her dream job that then turned out to, to not feel like a dream job at all, and how she had to learn to listen to herself and her body, and, and how she took the, the leap that was a scary risk for her to start working for herself. Um we talk about self-care, what self-care is and what it isn't, and Bianca talks quite openly about how the expensive retreats don't work or not in the way that we maybe want them to or think they should. Um we talk about self-confidence, we talk about male and, and female kind of traits in business, kind of not in a generalizing way, but in a way that sort of they, they can be recognised and show up and perhaps how we need to sort of meet more in the middle in terms of um individuals sort of how we work and traits that we adopt and take on um and we talk in a really nice honest and open conversation about reconnecting to our ancestral roots and how bianca's been doing that recently with her brazilian heritage and what that means for her um so yeah it's a really kind of um Deep conversation about a lot of things, and I think there's lots of practical advice, there's lots of uh, business and life advice in there, and it's just really nice to listen and to Bianca share her story. So, I really hope that you enjoy that. A couple of things that I wanted to bring to your attention before we go into the episode. One is that um, I don't know what I was doing, I I have a few sound issues in this one. Um, It's fine, you can hear everything, but there's a little bit of um, clunking around. I think I dropped my microphone, maybe sorry um it's not too bad but I just wanted to say there's that um and then I just wanted to bring up a quote that Bianca mentions um and it's a quote that bad things don't happen to you they happen for you and she mentions really liking that quote and um yeah I've heard lots of people share this kind of thinking before and I think it's a really good way of thinking often but I just wanted to acknowledge that there's there is privilege in that obviously um because we don't kind of we, we just touch on the quote, she brings it up and we move on. Um, and I just wanted to bring that up because I know it can be quite a sensitive um, topic for lots of people. And I know that there's privilege in that point of view and being able to adopt that point of view. And um, yeah, this isn't the space to kind of have that in-depth conversation. But I wanted to highlight it. So um, you know that that's coming up. Um, and if that is kind of triggering for you, then you know to expect that but like I say we just touch on it um, and move on so yeah I hope you enjoy this episode please let me know I really love to hear from you Um, I'm actually going to start reviewing podcasts more because I know how lonely it can feel when you don't know if people are listening or what they think Um, I just I spend a lot of time and energy putting this out into the world and I really enjoy the conversations I have and so I just hope that you are out there listening and enjoying and i would love to hear what you think um you can rate and review on itunes you can send me a message on instagram i'm at being underscore change so yeah you, you can share the podcast on instagram if you like you can use hashtag create shift podcast and that just helps other people to find it as well and that's that's what i hope is that this podcast can inspire support and encourage lots of people to live their most purposeful and holistic lives. So let's get on with today's episode. Hello and welcome to Create Shift. My name's Ellen Carr. As well as being the host of this podcast, I'm a writer, a yoga teacher and a holistic living mentor. This podcast is here to support, encourage and inspire you to live your most purposeful and holistic life. The conversations had, questions asked and thoughts presented I here to awaken that whispering of your soul, your own questions about the life you want to lead, and to give you the confidence that you can create the shift you want to make in your life. I believe that the way to true health and happiness, individually and collectively, is to live a truly holistic life. A life that is driven by a purpose that feels true and right to us, and that helps us to feel connected to ourselves and each other and the world around us, And that leaves us feeling fulfilled and content. I release a new season of the show in line with the change in the seasons in nature. So normally you'll find a new season coming out around the solstice or equinox time. Each season has a couple of solo episodes as well as interviews with lots of interesting and thought-provoking guests. Thank you so much for being here. I really hope that you enjoy listening to Create Shift. If you do enjoy the show, I would love it if you would be happy to leave a rating or a review or both. You can do that on iTunes if you listen via the Apple Podcasts app. It's super easy. Otherwise, you can go onto iTunes, search Create Shift and leave the review on there. I'd love to carry on the conversation with you. You can find me online at being-change.com and you can find me on Instagram at being Hi Bianca, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hi um, Helen, thank hey. you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so let's get started with my just like opening warm in question, which is could you just tell us a bit about your favorite things about autumn? Definitely. So autumn has always been
0: my favorite season. I think summer is completely overhyped. <laughs> I love any sense of renewal in life. So any opportunity to start again. I think that there's so much pressure around the beginning of the year so for Mm. me autumn has always been this more subtle quieter secondary beginning if you will Mm. and so for for me I've always loved it and I love the oranges just the palette of it and the back to school feeling that I think even having not been to school for a very long time now I still have installed within me so it always feels like I can start over and yeah new stationery as well keeping all the traditions
1: I know I I still have the back to school thing I think so many people do even though like school days were so long ago they still have that yeah and I still feel like I really want like a really long time off in the summer I think that's my dream to just like not work in the summer (laughs) how how European of you (laughs) well I know I know yes I know I love it but it's like the school holidays thing you know you have like this this free summer um yeah that's my dream to be totally like a european um, Do you bring that uh sense of kind of renewal and stuff in the autumn into your work like do you Do you use that to to do anything like i don't know like reassessment of your business or anything like that you know like the kind of things that people often talk about doing in January
0: I think for me any kind of assessments of my business or anything that I'm doing professionally is continual. Mm. So I'm always looking at it throughout the year because I am just by nature somebody who is thinking about these things and is a chronic overthinker when it comes to anything career-wise. So for me, it's less about just kind of resetting and more about intentions in every area of my life, be it personal, be it professional, and regrouping and saying, what do I want for the rest of this year? Mm. You know, what do I want to achieve by the end of the year? Where am I at? And also, most importantly, what's serving me? Which is a question that I don't think, at least I personally, have asked myself enough. And as I get older, I'm really enjoying sitting down and journaling and setting my intentions on a month by month basis. But also for autumn, if it was particularly pertinent. Mm.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think autumn's a good time uh, to ask that kind of what's serving me and like what do I maybe need to let go of those type questions I think on a personal and business level um just because of like we see it in nature you know like the the leaves fall from the tree so that then the trees can grow well again the next spring so I think I like that little metaphor anyway in my own life um in the autumn time
0: definitely nothing like shedding off some baggage that's no longer serving you and just being a bit lighter and also I like this season particularly because I I'm able to be a little more quieter, Mm. you know, as a absolute archetype, introvert, whatever you want to call it. I really like having the opportunity to hibernate a little bit and be more with myself and not have, there's a pressure that comes with summer, I think. And I like not having that as much.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, so do you want to tell people who are listening, because some people may be familiar with who, who you are and some people may not know who you are at all, so do you mind just telling people a little bit about who you are and, and what you do and maybe sharing a bit of your journey as to how you kind of got where you are?
0: Of course, so I'm Bianca Bass. I am, in generally, general speaking terms, I'm a marketing and brand consultant, also a writer, but Speaking on a more specialist level, my real thing is helping companies and individuals communicate with more emotion, which ultimately leads to more sales and conversions. So I work with individuals, so politicians, best-selling authors, top tech execs to help tell their personal stories. And equally, I work with companies and I work with brands like Selfridges and TripAdvisor and John Lewis and a series of startups to really communicate their values to customers and ultimately help boost the bottom line but doing it in a way that's very human so I think about it less as marketing and I think about it really more as empathy and it shows up in the world as marketing but really mm. it's about interpersonal relationships and the psychology behind
1: it and yeah mm. so that that's it in a nutshell mm. and then how did you how because you you recently started working completely. For yourself right it's like that's right yeah yeah so could you talk a little bit about how you got to that point definitely so
0: I started out thinking I wanted to be a journalist so let's take it way back way mm. back yeah. I started out thinking I want to be a journalist so I would did anything I could to move to London you know I'm not from a family that had connections or that could have helped me in the media industry and there's obviously rampant nepotism mm. so came to London to do a journalism degree, but really I was only in the city to do as many internships as I could. So I started on the now defunct company magazine, RIP, Mm. and worked my way up on a series of internships while I was studying and got all the way to British Vogue. And while I was there, I had the most amazing time, but I realized two things. One was that I would never be able to afford to live Mm. if I were to graduate and actually work there because everybody apart from myself was from some level of privilege that while I was extremely fortunate to be interning there, I couldn't sustain myself doing that work. And the second thing that happened was that British Vogue launched their first ever Vogue Festival. And while I was doing fashion shoots and helping out with the clothes, I actually found myself particularly interested in the business side of the tickets that were selling and the fact that you could market to people and if you got the messaging right and the visuals right, they would pay their own money and show up for something a little bit more substantial than a magazine. So, I became fascinated in that sort of things, like I said. And I ended up starting as a copywriter and then gradually transitioning to be a senior brand and content manager. And I really found my way, particularly with managing people and leading teams. And that took me on a great journey. I've been incredibly fortunate. I feel so lucky to so have had the opportunities that I've had. And we can talk a little bit more about how that came about and also what I think the key components are mm. about that. Um, but yeah, so. Ended up working for TripAdvisor for a couple of years and then went into the startup world and was helping new entrepreneurs launch companies, predominantly people coming over to the UK and launching the UK as a new market. And I was in a role most recently where, on paper, it was perfect for me. Everything about it was perfect. I was leaving the marketing. It was an area and an industry that I'm particularly interested in. It felt right until it didn't. So the very first day that I started, I had a very strong sense that I wasn't meant to be there. Mm -hmm. And intuitively, I didn't do what I was meant to do. I didn't listen to it. Mm -hmm. I buried it and I kept going. And I became, over the course of, I think it was about, took about three months for it to really hit me, but I became very unwell. Became very unwell, burnt out, and really the worst part was that I ended up feeling completely numb. Mm. And if you look at me and my journey up until that point, I'd done everything by the book, really, really linear career path. I'd been incredibly tenacious. I'm really proud of what I was able to achieve, you know, Brazilian descent, stuff wasn't meant to happen to people like me and it Mm. did. And it was amazing, but I feel like that almost was... A great thing and also my downfall because I put so much pressure on myself mm. that I, I got to a point where I wasn't even listening to myself. So I ended up resigning once from this company and saying, this just isn't going to work for me. And that was back in February. And they convinced me to stay for a period of time just to help them get a little bit more up and running, which I did. But in that period of time, I started questioning, what do I want? What does this look like? So I am completely risk averse, or at least I, I <laughs> thought I was back then. So I did everything that I could To save money, yes, but more importantly, actually, accumulate data on myself. So I started observing myself for three months and saying, okay, every single day, let me gather data on how and when I feel good. So is it that on Wednesdays I feel particularly bad and maybe working from home works best for me or what hours of the day look better for me? Do I need more variety? Do I need more structure? Do I need mm-hmm. this type of person in my life more? Or this type of, you know, all these things. And I wrote all of this down obsessively like I was almost A, B testing my life. <laughs> and then it got to a point where when I came to leave the company in June, I landed on a few key things about myself, which many people have, which is that the thing that I need more than anything at work is strong relationships i am somebody who derives energy from people at least in a professional setting so i'm a weird contradictory introvert yes you know i i love people until i no longer can do it and i've got to run away you know like i go to the event with the best intention but i'm always the first to leave but while i'm there i'm fully there but then i'm fully gone you know there's no in between with me (laughs) um but yeah so i left in june and i was very, very, very afraid. But I was also very well informed. And for anybody who's going through any kind of transitionary period where you're trying to figure out what is next for me, I know that this isn't right, but I also don't know what is. I really recommend gathering as much data as you can. I spoke to friends. I spoke to former colleagues. I asked people, what do you see me doing? And that's what led me to start offering more of a consultancy service. And it's been the most informative, incredible experience of my life because everything that I thought I couldn't do, I ended up being able to do and then some. And now I sleep better at night. My whole well-being, everything around that period of time has made me so much calmer. I am so much calmer. And believe me, I was such a frantic person. When my friends say to me, my God, you seem calm. That is the best compliment I can receive. I don't care as much about, oh, you look great or, oh, you've achieved so much. I care. If someone tells me I look calm, that is a blessing. So yeah, that's a bit about the journey. And I think that one of the sentences or quotes that I really loved and that resonated with me in that time was bad things don't happen to you. They happen for you. Hmm. And this really happened for me, I think.
1: Mm. yeah thank you i was just writing that quote down <laughs> um, and i probably will not be able to read this later because i'm writing it really quickly um cool. it's a good one you'll remember yeah i'll dm you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah there's so many great things i've i've written down from that from what you just said about things i want to ask you and places to explore um, i love how you talk about gathering data on yourself and i just love I love how your brain works in that way because I'm such a person like... I really hate the, um, having to analyze side of my business, like that side of, of running my own business does not come easily to me that like trying to be analytical and kind of the, the sort of marketeers kind of brain, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I just love how you put that because I was like gathering data on herself, what did she do? And then the stuff you were talking about, is was like, Oh yeah, I do that. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I've spent time noticing, you know, kind of what works for me and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't call it that. And I don't think of it in that way. And it's just funny. It's just, um, interesting how your brain works that way and like
0: (laughs) that's such an important point though because up until mm, probably the past 18 months and particularly this summer with the consultancy and everything that I've been doing, I've realized how much we as women shy away from using terminology like that. Mm. And some of the men that I've been able to work with, particularly in the past few months, I've realized that they have this absolute innate confidence that we as women, we, we can learn more from them. We can be more them in our own way that's human to us. And I don't really like generalizing by gender. And I've always shied away from, oh, there's a women thing and there's a men thing. But yeah, there is something about us when we are more creative that we think that we can't do and we can't mm-hmm, do that. But mm-hmm. I noticed that all these super rich men, billionaires, you name it, that I've been fortunate enough to work with and learn from, they think they can do anything. Yeah, and I even know. if they can't, they will never let you know that they can't. They will never, ever, ever admit it. And that's been powerful for me to
1: know. Yeah, there's that thing, isn't there, that's that's shared. uh, I've sort of heard and read this shared quite a lot, is that um, if a woman's looking at a job description and she doesn't meet kind of like one of the criteria, she won't apply. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, just just one, she meets all of the others and and just one she doesn't meet, she won't apply. Um, And if a man's looking, as long as he meets like 40%, I think it is of the criteria, he'll apply. Yeah, and it's which like... is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know, I know. yeah and uh, we yeah. laugh
0: but I relate to that and yeah me I,
1: too
0: I, I really relate to that and I can yeah. see exactly why that works and having managed both women and men and seeing the differences you just wouldn't believe it and we uh, we actively have to work on that every single day because it does there is biological aspects to it and it does go against our nature in a sense but if we can meet somewhere in the middle in terms of genders and working styles then everything will be better politics, business, you name it so mm. there's a bit about us being more like them but equally them bringing the more feminine side to things too the right brain side of things too
1: yeah, so yeah. okay there's a couple of things I want to pull out from that and the first is then like so what sort of things should, should we as women in business be, be doing, trying to do more of you know, what to to balance it out a bit more
0: I think that something that comes up a lot, and I mentor, I'm lucky enough to mentor lots of amazing young girls, like the generation that's coming up, my goodness, they are absolutely inspiring. And I'm lucky enough to mentor a series of girls. I'm also lucky enough to have worked in big companies and been exposed to stuff at a relatively young age and had some really expensive and fancy training when I worked in big corporations too. And from everything that I've learned and when people ask me, what, what do you think it takes to not be a conventional, uh, a conventionally successful person, but still be able to ha- somehow get a seat at the table anyway, I really think it comes down to relationships. So it's something that I've noticed when I've just been sat around. And I think my biggest strength is not even in writing or marketing, but just when I'm very observant, I've always watched everything hmm. and everyone and most obsessively so. And I have noticed that men, typically, top businessmen, and I can't name names, but yeah, sure, <laughs> one day in a book. But um, top top businessmen, they take time to have long phone calls. They don't really do email. They don't even touch their laptops. They take time to have phone calls. They go out for very long lunches. They build relationships all the time. Whereas as women. I think that we are so keen to prove sometimes, and again, I don't want to generalize, but this is certainly my experience and many of the women I've worked with and for, we're so keen to prove ourselves that we want to do everything just right and get everything done. to do lists, very meticulous. We don't probably spend as much time building the relationships because we think that maybe it's frivolous or fluffy or whatever it may be. And actually it's really not. So for me, most recently, I've, I've tried to be really present Every meeting that I've been in, every business exec I've worked with, I've tried to ask them before we start about any of the work and before we start implementing Mm. strategy. I've looked them in the eye and I've asked, how are you? Really, how are you doing? And you won't believe the impact that has on somebody who's typically used to just everybody bowing down. And it's not – and it does feel a bit uncomfortable to ask someone so much more senior than you and obviously so much more successful than you really looking at them as a person but we can do that for even the toughest businessmen and it softens them a little bit and then it makes you more at ease so I think it's a matter of not being afraid to bring that more human side and to build those relationships and actually something really moving happened to me a few weeks ago I'm working with the most incredible client and I came in to the project and I really didn't understand what they were saying in the meetings. They were using all these acronyms, using very retail industry specific Mm. terminology that I just didn't know what they were banging on about. And (laughs) I'm thinking, my God, these guys need a glossary. This is terrible. (laughs) And then I was just observing everybody, making notes, understanding the characters before I understood anything about their job functions, understanding how they communicate, how they operate, how this place works. And afterwards, this guy, my boss, came up to me and says, You don't speak very much. And of course, I do the typical thing, as anyone probably would react to, No, 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 I'm just, it's my first few days, I'm just getting together. He's like, No, that was a compliment. That's a good thing. And that small interaction really has changed my whole mindset on it. And I wanted to share it because it made me realize that I think business is changing. And I think that if you're able, to show up in a way that's true to you and you're not trying to be or emulate someone else people can pick up on that and so my observant side was actually noticed and complimented when really I, I was thinking in my head the whole meeting I should be saying more mm. why am I not contributing and then he just followed up and said most people talk all the time for the sake of talking and mm. you didn't do that and I think that's good
1: mm. yeah it's So that yeah. value of being of being true to yourself again isn't it definitely
0: and also just human to human back to the point I was making about the business that I've noticed in the relationships that really is the heart of everything and I think that we worry that if we do too much of that we're not going to get business done and we're not going to make enough money and we've got to do the doing and never be too in the execution to
1: not have the connection to Mm. Mm. yeah yeah that's really good advice I think um so the other thing that I wanted to, to chat about when we started talking about the kind of difference between the genders was um something that I I found on your blog. Um there was a post that you've written called Seventeen Pieces of Advice. Uh, I wish I'd known at the start at the beginning of my career. And one of them was your femininity is a superpower, not a weakness. Don't shy away from it. And I just wondered if you could talk about that a little bit more.
0: Definitely. You know, look, I work in marketing and to your earlier point, and it's such a great point you made the analytical side of things freaked me out. And to an extent, it still does. Anytime that I get asked about Google AdWords and everything else, even though I've been doing this stuff for years now, I still freeze a little bit because maths wasn't my forte and I wasn't really that interested in it. it. And I was more of a humanities type person. And we carry that stuff from school. Even if we try and lose that baggage, we carry it, we carry it. So I came to realize that while I was trying a few years back to try and be more, ooh, performance marketing person, data, 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 I wasn't getting as great feedback as when I actually showed up and tried to be more myself or what I could actually do. And I mentioned earlier about really my speciality is in communications that have enough emotion to move people to do the desired action, be it purchase something, follow us, subscribe, whatever it is. And I've been doing that to great success for top clients and, you know, making them money and also making myself money out of that process. And the reason I've been able to do that is because of my feminine side. And I only wish I could have gone back and told my younger self, you don't need to be hanging with the tech bros. You don't. (laughs) Learn from them, but you don't need to be doing that. If you pay into what you think you're good at, which is fundamentally at its core writing and communicating and, you know, we're told that you can't make any money out of those things. And I now know that not to be true, but, uh, you know, back then I really thought that I had to be harsher in my approach and Mm. be more harshly spoken and just more aggressive. And I'm not an aggressive person. And I, me, me trying to be that I was doing a disservice to myself and also the other women around me. So yeah, I think that's
1: it. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because what we were saying earlier is that like both sort of male and female styles of kind of working and being in business need to sort of meet in the middle. So it's like you need to remember your femininity, but also perhaps don't shy away from some of those more what are perceived to be masculine traits. You know, it's like an interesting. Definitely. I was going to say balance, but I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, completely.
0: And we have to learn from each other and play to our strengths. There are amazing women who are really, really good at the data side of things and love it. There are amazing men who are fantastically emotive communicators. Whatever that is, it's not a gendered thing. It's a person-to-person thing. So I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. And also, you know, I really, really believe that if you're doing what you're good at, and that's the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. the rest will t- it will take care of itself. Everything does.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I like that. Follow the path of least resistance thing. I try and do that. You know, because when something's seeming really, really difficult, it's probably not the right thing. Like the things, the things that we're meant to be doing, or you know, that we're really good at. Yeah, obviously, they're hard at times, but I think you know, and it really feels like you're pushing a boulder up a hill. (laughs) So yeah, generally, probably that's not the right thing to be doing. Um, Definitely not. And I've done that many times in my career. And let me tell you, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of think, oh, the more I keep trying, the more effort I put in, it's gonna, it's gonna work. And actually, the things that really become successful, like, you know, I've had things that workshops I run, for example, that I've just sort of thought, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. And I just kind of, Go for it and run with it, and it just it sort of flies on its own, as opposed to other ones that I think I should do, um, and I and I have to really, really push and sell and sell and sell just to to get enough tickets sold. You know, it's uh, yeah,
0: definitely. And again, that goes back to the accumulation of data, right? It goes back to when did it feel easy and when did it feel like a real slog. And that's not to discredit hard work. I've worked very, very hard yeah. on things, and it's important to do so. But equally what was easy and why was that easy? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like still asking yourself, like doing the work to understand what that looks like. I'm sure you've had this. Sometimes the best, best work is the work that takes five to 10 minutes. You get it with Mm -hmm. recording artists, right? You, You hear these stories of musicians who go in and they pen and record their best songs in half an hour. Mm. There's something in that. There's a magic in that. Mm-hmm. It's the whole idea of something coming through you, not from yeah. you. Yeah. I love that. I yeah.
1: just love it. Yeah, me too. And I think that that kind of um uh idea, it sort of it feels like it goes against what we get taught about work or certainly in, in a lot of um kind of institutions or workplaces is that like you have to be at your desk for like this number of hours to be doing the work and like and therefore it kind of I think gets drawn into us that if something takes ten minutes it can't be good (laughs) yeah um you know like I've done things myself I've sat down and done something and thought "Oh, well I think that's good and then I've been like doubting myself because it's like not taken long at all you know say it's something I've written or something like that um definitely and it also comes down to um the
0: invoicing thing when people feel like oh yeah oh well I haven't done enough hours it's like wait no
1: you're paying me for the years of experience not the hours yeah and that's
0: a good reminder
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I think we can get very stuck in the hours thing, especially if we have worked in a conventional kind of like nine-to-five office and then have kind of stepped away from that to be freelance or whatever it is that we're doing. It can be really challenging to come out of that and and think, yeah, we're invoicing somebody for our experience. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. They shouldn't care. They don't need to know.
0: (laughs) No, definitely not. And that's okay. And good work is good work.
1: You can't be quantified. You know, we're still in.
0: A almost industrial revolution yeah. style working model yeah and that just has to be looked at everything about the four-day week it really excites me let's see where we get to it as a society but yeah the working world is incredibly broken and I think mm-hmm. that we can only make changes if we make the changes in our own lives and then talk about them Mm. I think change does start with us if we wait around for heaven forbid the government to sort anything out um <laughs> we'll be here for a long yeah.
1: time yeah <laughs> yeah no we've got to start doing some stuff ourselves because that's not going to happen is it um,
0: absolutely not
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I completely agree the world of work is is broken or certainly uh, from my experience of kind of like jobs I've been in and, and stuff and part-time work that I'm doing at the moment I'm sort of there in in this organization and I'm I'm seeing all these changes that like I know would make it so much better for people to work in and it's kind of oh how do you bring them in it's uh, yeah some organizations are so huge and so um clunky yeah yeah. and so in that industrial revolution kind of, of, of of way of operating it's um yeah it's a lot but it definitely needs to change definitely it does it does and change is slow
0: but I think that incremental change is probably the way to do it I'm not sure I'm not an expert but from what I'm seeing subcultures can be created in those big organizations Mm. and from those subcultures you know it's almost like planting seeds you water them enough and then people notice one tree and then bam hopefully with time you've got a forest yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah absolutely strange analogy yeah no I love a good I love a good gardening (laughs) analogy I use them a lot (laughs)
0: me too me too it's like my favorite quote which is they tried to bury us but they didn't know that we were seeds oh yes
1: that is a good one love that I love that yeah um okay let's um move to talk a little bit about um I wanted to touch on your relationship with self-care because I know that you've written about this quite a lot and like I really like how on your Instagram um, you kind of mix the business stuff and the personal stuff. And, um, yeah, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that, your relationship with self-care and your journey. Of course. Mm. So let me tell you, it's been a complicated
0: one. (laughs) And it's still a work in progress. And I think that's really important um, to put as a disclaimer and just all of us to caveat when we're talking about it because it's not... A perfect formula for any of us I don't think right I, I really think that it's messy and some weeks I'm better at it than others but I think for me I didn't really get into actually practical implementable self-care until this year when I was forced to mm-hmm. and that's funny because I come from a very spiritual family not in the conventional sense but My own mum is a psychotherapist and a yogi and really into Bikram and chakras and everything else. And she's a Reiki master. So I've been surrounded by this uh, as as a family Mm. culture way before it was a hashtag or a trend. So I grew up in this environment. I understood it, but I never properly implemented it. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I was so, I guess, surprised, but also just imposter syndrome probably for the whole way through my early career thinking this big stuff is happening to me I'm earning really good money what is going on I've just got to keep going I've got to stay the latest I've got to do the most I've got to be the most available because otherwise they're going to find me out they're going to throw me out they're going to fire me mm-hmm. which is like that is how irrational my brain has been about work for a really long time and then the other aspect I think is that I didn't think I needed it I thought that I knew myself really really well and you know I, I had bubble baths and I do yoga and I meditate. What more is there to it that I possibly could be missing? I read self-help books. I write a self-help-esque blog. What more is there to it? And the thing that's helped me the most, I think, is that I was always trying, again, the resistance thing, I was always trying to either be, if I went on a holiday or fortunate enough to go on some amazing retreats, I'd go there and I'd be fully that I'd be my most calm, centered, grounded version of myself, and I'd really like myself. And I'd journal every day, and I'd do everything with the best intention. When it came back to having to go back to work, to to be able to pay for these retreats, I realized that I couldn't bring that to my working life. So thank you for mentioning the Instagram thing, because what I've been trying to do is make the whole thing less polarizing. Like I don't think that self-care and business and being successful – have to be mutually exclusive, you can still work hard and be more present. Mm -hmm. You can still really give a lot because I am someone who wants to give a lot and not always do that at the expense of yourself. So things for me that have shown up as self-care have been beyond my meditation that I still do and yoga that I still do. And I'm somebody who I pray a lot and not to a particular God. It's obviously a personal relationship with just a higher energy force. I, I, I believe in lots and lots of things that are a bit woo-woo to some people and to others, I'm practically agnostic, but <laughs> I really believe that for me, it self-care for me is going to work and rather than just doing a 10-minute meditation, approaching work almost as if I'm meditating all day because I'm so present like in this conversation that you and I are having now I'm fully with you I'm not looking anywhere else I'm just looking at my window I'm really really with you and so I started to think how can I approach my whole working life in more of a just thoughtful mindful way and what does that look like so again like uh, uh, back to the businessman that I was mentioning earlier I've started really trying to be less On a laptop or looking at a screen. So, whenever I can, I'll call somebody. And that human connection is good for my mental health. Mm -hmm. And also, knowing my limitations. So, having really loving boundaries with the people that I love in this world and letting them know my limitations. And also, letting myself know my limitations. So, you know, I know, for example, that if I'm working during the week really intensely, I don't have the energy to give everything at work and then go out for drinks or dinner after work. I just don't. And I hate. I hate the feeling of being too stretched. So I, I know myself. So always understanding my boundaries. I guess that's self care for me now. It's not at the expense of my success. It actually enhances my success, and it's within my working day to day life, every day, every hour, every minute.
1: Mm. Yeah, I love that you said that. I love that you're saying that it's not it, it's not something that happens outside of work necessarily. Although it can be, obviously, as well. But bringing it in, yeah. Um, because work is such a huge part of our lives as well that it makes sense that it should be something that can make us feel good as well and and to help us take care of ourselves and even even the work we do if we're doing work that um inspires us and makes us feel like we're really doing what we're here to do um and putting something good out into the world whatever that may be then that to me is practicing self care as well in a way, you know, because it's doing the work that we should be doing. And if, if we're doing a job that's making us hate ourselves and, and our lives, then maybe we need to look at getting out of that because that's practicing self care too. And Definitely.
0: If Definitely. We, if we
1: can, because obviously being able to pay our bills is also <laughs> self care. But you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I think we need to talk about more on the internet and Instagram and everything else. Being able to quit our jobs is a very privileged thing. Yeah. It's such a fortunate thing to even have self care. That like self care is still really a classist issue if you think about it because mm. many people can't afford to. Like you have a bit go on a retreat, you know, that's so far-fetched and it certainly was for me growing up. I could never imagine that I could ever go to some of these places I've been. So I think looking at it from more of a, how can you actually implement it while you are making money aspect and like do the complete opposite of the Gwyneth Paltrow goop thing and be like people, most people have to work Most people have to work in a conventional sense. How can that in itself be more of an act of self-care? Is Mm. it taking a walk? Is it really connecting with someone? Is it spending less time on the screen, more time on the phone? Is it switching up your working environment? Mm. Because when I was in the um, recent full-time job that I mentioned, that I left at the start of the summer, I was doing everything around it to try and make myself feel better. Meditating in the morning, meditating at lunchtime sometimes, meditating at night doing everything I could I still had severe and chronic insomnia at that point then if the situation itself isn't working then that's still going to be really hard so the jobs we have and also the romantic relationships we have Mm -hmm. have to have self-care within them it can't be an act that we approach around them
1: Mm. yeah absolutely um yeah and I love that you brought that up about kind of self-care being uh there's a lot of privilege tied up in that and I think I think what you're what I hear and what you were saying there is also that it's sort of having to change what we what we understand as being self-care because I think self-care has kind of become a bit of an industry in in its own way um and that's what we you know the hashtag self-care is like retreats, like well, like we said, and and if you can afford to go on a retreat, of course it's brilliant, it's great, they're wonderful. Um, but that's really not for everybody. And so changing what we understand self care to be as one of the everyday things we can do um, that are there's loads of free things you can do I like telling people yeah. about those you know like breathing that's a good one um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> deep breaths and or you know getting off your bus a stop early so you can have a walk through the park that's near your workplace that, that sort of thing um, I think um, yeah sort of speaks to what you're saying as well there um, definitely no I completely agree and I think
0: that it's it's something that we need to look at, not as a lush bath bomb or anything like that. And moreover, every act of your life has to be an act of self care. Your job, relationship, whatever it is, that has to have self care woven within it. And that can be respect at work. It can be really making your commute more pleasurable by bringing a book and really committing to finishing that book within a week. And it can be that. You're in a loving relationship with a partner that really hears you and sees you. You know, these are also grander acts of self-care that mean that you actually need less of the bath bombs and less of the retreats. And let me tell you, somebody who's been on fancy (laughs) retreats in Sri Lanka and everywhere else—they don't work. They're great while you're there, but if you hate your life and you haven't solved the problems in your life you it, it hurts even more
1: <laughs> to go back to it yeah
0: yeah because then you're like wait I can't leave the shop because I've already spent my money on the retreat and I'm stuck
1: yeah Great. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I'm glad you said that yeah thanks for saying that I don't feel like many people say that kind of thing
0: <laughs> um, no it doesn't work and I, I really wish someone had you know mentioned that to me sooner or I'd figured it out myself because we live in a whole culture, I guess, of people just posting I'm in Bali, etc. Great, but <laughs> that's so temporary. Yeah. And these things are wonderful and lovely, but we need to have consistency and we need to be kinder to ourselves. Because if anybody thinks that two weeks away somewhere, and you know, I've been in a place where I've been massaged every day, wonderful. Did it really help my head when I came back to work and I was still in the depths of misery? not being respected etc etc no it didn't Mm. and yeah it's much grander than that and it's much cheaper because really it's all the mindset Mm. and if your brain is looked after well and you're really taking care of those thoughts and understanding them and analyzing them etc then you don't need as much of the rest
1: Mm. yeah and then you can go on the on the retreat just as a nice holiday if you want to but it's not you're not seeing it as a cure for um whatever is not good about your life um definitely yeah um okay I wanted to change um uh track a little bit and uh I really want to talk to you about uh something that you pulled up earlier um about that you you've got Brazilian you're of Brazilian descent and I know that that's something that you've been kind of um thinking a lot about and kind of um I don't know what the right word is. Uh, yeah sort of working with I guess and and you've been talking about it a lot online recently kind of your heritage and stuff and and yeah could you mind sharing a little bit about that journey that you've been on? Of course thank you for asking so I
0: really wasn't in touch with my Brazilian roots properly until the past few years the reason being I grew up in Bournemouth and
1: Dorset, South of England, yeah, so not very a Brazilian place.
0: <laughs> the absolute opposite, you know, to the point that I mean, shout out to my primary school. It was a lovely place, but in every marketing material, myself and my brother were always shoved in every photo as a kind of diversity thing. <laughs> okay, yeah. And, you know, when we're not even that diverse looking as yeah. far as like diversity and inclusivity yeah. go. So. Hilarious, and I was very conscious of being different. You know, my first language is Portuguese, so I really put so much effort into sounding as British as I could and having the most Queen RP mm. accent that I could. And my parents were like, "Who is this child? <laughs> this accent!" But I was really, really aware that I was the outsider, even as much as I wanted to fit in, I couldn't. But equally, when I went to Brazil, even still, when I do go to Brazil, I'm not one. I'm not like my cousins either. Mm. So there's this feeling that a wonderful friend of mine who's an artist calls placelessness, you know, this idea of, I'm not fully from there and I'm not fully from here and I'm not really from anywhere. So Mm. what does your identity to all of that look like? And I think one of the things that really has been coming up for me in the past few years is tapping into just the sheer strength of my Brazilian heritage and my roots and this female lineage that, incredibly powerful women you know on one side of my ancestry I'm a descendant of a slave from Angola female slave my great-grandmother who came over to Brazil and survived that Mm. and on the other side my grandma my maternal grandmother she is originally of indigenous descent from the Amazon and she brought her whole family to live in Sao Paulo Brazil's major city for a better life and then when my own mother was 17, she saw that Brazil was a very chauvinistic country, a country that was under military rule at that time. She basically encouraged my mum to move to England no money, no English, but she knew intuitively that it would be a better opportunity for her. And so there's so many beautiful stories around it that I could bore you with for days, <laughs> right. but the, the real key thing is that I realized that, oh my God, the strength of these women mm. Whenever things have become tough for me and when I've really had to look inwards, because that's all we have, really, I have everything within me and inside me already, because the people that came before me did, did all of those things and survived all of those things. And I draw a lot of strength from that. So it's become a real thing of beauty for me. And it's obviously a very complex country. Mm. It's politically in crisis. It's economically in crisis and has been for as long as I can remember. But it's also a country of a lot of grace, a lot of love and rich, rich roots and history. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's really beautiful. Um, I love that story. I'd, I'd love to hear more of the stories. I wouldn't find them boring at all. Um, please share more of them online when you when you feel like you want to. Um, I will be there for that. Um, yeah, but that's so nice that you, you're feeling that sense of strength from connecting to that as well. Um, and these strong women, how amazing! Um, Definitely, and I think that you know Brazil as a brand, everybody thinks of
0: like hot women on Copacabana yeah. and football. Yeah, and I was really aware of that growing up because it's almost a cartoonized. Mm. Is that a word? It is now a cartoonized, <laughs> yeah. ver- cartoon version? yeah. Of yeah. A c- country that I know and love well, and it really isn't that. Mm. So. I was really, I don't know, I felt awkward about comments around that. So I would shy away from, especially as somebody who grew up very shy, I'd shy away from having that attention. And you know, if I had one more drunk guy talk to me about football, I I just couldn't. So then I had to find my own identity with it. And I had Mm. to really just search for what it meant to me. And it's Mm. been an amazing journey. And I've, I've been very, very lucky because... In my love for it, I've also ended up loving myself a bit more, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's it's been very, very powerful. And again, it's a very spiritual country. It's a very connected country. So my connection with it, whenever I'm having a bad day or anything else, I do listen to Brazilian music and I, Mm. I go back to those roots. And you don't have to be from Brazil or somewhere as exotic sounding to have that ability to go back and connect with what your own ancestors went through and what they fought through because especially a few generations back they had to overcome so much and we can all draw strength from the people that we're actually
1: related to whose stories and dna is within us yeah that's such a nice point because i think that's something we don't really do very much um especially um in this country especially british people i don't know i'm speaking for myself but you know maybe maybe people are going around and connecting to their ancestors all over the place but I certainly people I know and myself it's not something that we kind of talk about or do um and perhaps in other cultures it's more of a there are definitely other cultures in the world that are more connected to ancestral history aren't there um yeah and definitely yeah it's it it is as part of us isn't it and that's really nice that you're using it to sort of develop your sense of self-love and your sort of strength and uh, feelings of, of power and Yeah, I think that's really good. I think that's a really interesting um, thing for people to consider doing, even as an act of self-care, maybe.
0: (laughs) For sure. That's
1: absolutely it. That's
0: so it. It is an act of self-care, that connection. Mm. Yeah. And and I think that it is in economically developing and poorer countries that ancestors and elders are more upheld. And certainly when I lost my grandmother two years ago now, just coming up to two years, Mm. she was very much the matriarch of the family and her loss was felt very, very deeply. And with boyfriends and friends that I've had, I've noticed that their family units aren't structured as much like that. Mm. But I've also always encouraged them that if you are fully 100% English, think about what your British grandparents and great-grandparents lived through. Think about what they had to face, the changes that they saw. And I know that culturally it's not as open emotionally Mm. perhaps as other nations but there's great strength to be drawn from that so I really encourage anybody just to take some time to understand the stories as much as you can and remember them whenever you're going through something because it certainly helps me and it helps not just to listen to Oprah and Beyonce and get inspiration from these (laughs) lofty figures but actually from people whose blood is running through me
1: Mm. yeah yeah that's amazing um Yeah, and there's a real, um, so everything that you've been talking about today in in our chat, there's been a real um, sort of connection of this idea of tapping into your intuition, which I've noticed that you've said it a few times and it's kind of come up and, and that's really nice and I think it's really important and it sounds like something that's kind of maybe strengthened for you, would you say that's true over the years, the idea of connecting to your intuition? Absolutely. Intuition is everything.
0: It's our greatest strength as women. It's the number one thing that's made me a successful marketing professional. My ability to be able to observe people, understand what they respond to, and then quite spookily be able to pick from 50 ads, which one will work. Mm -hmm. And also in my personal life, having been in a long-term relationship throughout most of my twenties, that I knew intuitively from, pretty much after the honeymoon period after the six month period that it wasn't right for me and I didn't listen Mm. to it I didn't listen and so I got myself into a dark dark place of not just mourning the loss of somebody who was so close to me but equally mourning the loss of self-respect because I knew it was wrong and I didn't do anything about it Mm. and so what I'm really enjoying about getting older is just hearing my voice more you know, like hearing my voice more and hearing myself more and understanding that I have the answers within me. I have them. We all have them. And gut feelings aren't lofty things. They're feelings based on data that we already have. So how can we tap into that more? How can we use that to benefit our lives professionally, personally, and just make better informed decisions? There's a a magic to it. I can't exactly put my finger on it, but all I do know is that we have it and when you start unlocking it I think life becomes more interesting
1: yeah yeah and when you start listening to it that's when life starts flowing like when you start actually trusting it because I'm at the point where I just keep noticing what I've not trusted it or what I should have trusted it and very quickly now I pick that up and so now I'm hoping the next stage is to be like all oh, right okay I notice it before I make the decision that I, I know intuitively to be wrong you know um, <laughs> definitely and then I think things will flow a little better because well, you'd be doing the stuff that intuitively you know you know to be right for you so yeah Mm.
0: yes agreed and there are no coincidences I don't think There, there are so many signs it's up to us to look for them and gather them and use them to our advantage anything that I've done professionally it really has been a combination of opportunity and intuition and I have had some misfires my last job that I've mentioned in Mm. this podcast was a misfire I didn't listen again I paid Mm -hmm. the price Mm. I'm not doing anything like that again I'm being much more considered and much more thoughtful about what I approach and why I do things and taking time and leaving enough space to be able to have that intuition is quite important too
1: Mm. yeah absolutely yeah Mm. yeah well I think it's probably about time to round it up um and I'm going to ask you my final question that I ask all guests and it's a two-part question. Sure. Um, Yeah. So the first part is in your absolute dream vision of the future, what changes would you like to see people having made towards living a more purposeful and holistic life? And then the second part is what small changes could people make now if they want to start moving in that direction?
0: Oh, it's a good one. (laughs) I think it goes back to what we were saying about work. I really want more people to love what they do for work it's too integral and crucial a part of our lives to not love it to not be fulfilled to not be respected so for me in the future i'd see a society that's firstly more community-based so work doesn't become more of this industrial revolution slave master almost <laughs> um, approach and is actually serving all parties and that we're working less that we're working with more intention, that we're working on things that aren't separate from what we love to do in our lives. And so looking at it from the sense of money is important, and I think that whenever people try and shy away from money and try and reject it, unfortunately, that's the structure of our society, right? We we live in a capitalist society. So my view has always been, okay, well, if these people can play the system and get X, Y, Z, why should I be sat over here with less <laughs> just because I'm trying to you know, have my values. I want to see more of an intersection of the two things, like, I want there to be more ways for us to make money and it not be dirty money. And I want there to be more opportunities for us to do things that feel true to who we are. Mm. So yeah, if I had to kind of distill that down, mm. I'd say it's about people really not talking about work-life balance it's a work-life blend and not even looking at professional and personal selves and being able to bring your whole self Mm. yeah
1: lovely thank you
0: and then I think to the second part what can people start doing just start asking yourself the tough questions you don't have to stay in a job for two years because it will look bad on your CV. Nobody's looking that closely. And anybody that is, you don't want to work for them or with them anyway. Trust me. (laughs) You don't have to put up with a disrespectful manager. You don't. You have more power than you think to either change that, or if they can't change, you change your job. You don't have to work in companies that are completely unfulfilling if you don't want to. If you really tap into who you are and what you can offer and what you want, how you want to show up in the world, I guess, is the right way mm. of putting it. Everything else will follow. And I'm not saying this from a position of privilege or power or anything like that. I'm saying this as somebody who's been through it and who understands that risks are scary. We all need to pay our rent, our mortgages. We all need to eat. But it doesn't have to be at the expense of your everyday happiness. Mm. I, and happiness is a lofty concept. Let's, let's use joy instead it doesn't have to be at the expense of that there can be both you can enjoy being at work and you can enjoy being at home and yeah no more living for the weekend basically i think that we need to live for every day and how do we get there we do that we get there by asking
1: the questions yeah absolutely yeah thank you so much i think that's that's great i think it's gonna be really helpful hopefully for people to hear and maybe prompt some people into action which would be brilliant. so if people want to chat to you further and find out more about who you are and what you do where can they find you online of course i'm on bianca bass
0: everywhere <laughs> same handle nice and simple um predominantly medium um a bit of instagram and a bit of twitter okay. so yes
1: Frab. thank right. you
0: so much for having yeah. me ellen it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Create Shift. I really hope you've enjoyed it. I would love to hear what you thought. Um, find me on Instagram at being underscore change. Find me online at being-change.com where you can read blogs, find past episodes of the podcast, find the show notes for this episode. So any links that you wanted will be right there and find out more about what I do. I would really appreciate it if you did enjoy this episode. If you'd be willing to hop over to either the Apple Podcasts app, if you listen to this on an Apple device, or to iTunes, find Create Shift and leave a rating and a review. It's not just to feed my ego, I promise, although that is nice. Um, it's so that other people can find the show because the more people who review it, the more that iTunes, Apple the powers of be will trust that it is a podcast worth listening to and show it to other people who may be interested so thank you in advance for doing that and until next time